The Whiskey Holler, an inside look at what it takes to run a distillery from the grain in the field to the cocktails at your party. Come join me, Gary Lee, every week as I talk with leading experts on every step of the whiskey trail. Thank you for joining me again in The Whiskey Holler. This is your host, Gary Lee, and today I have a special guest, Leah Hutchinson with Cappy USA. So, Leah, I really appreciate you joining us today. Well, thank you, and I appreciate you having me. All right. So our podcast and blog, you know, we look at every step in the production process of craft spirits. And, you know, when I think of craft in terms of whiskey, I think of, you know, traditional production methods and having as much control as possible in the entire production. Now, closures are real are a real critical step, not just because we need the top-of-the-line bottle sealed, but it's one of those little details that can really make or break a beautiful product. And that's what uh, made me want to reach out to you, because I know I use <laughs> your guys' products. Uh, I've had really good luck with them. And so uh, just start off, if you would, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and, and how you made your way to Tappy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for using our product. We certainly appreciate it. And, you know, just to say a little bit of something about um, the actual corks or closures, I, I think it was kind of silly, but uh, I personally like to think of the closure as the crown on the bottle. Um, it's, real, it's a really important piece, you know. Um, it serves two purposes. It's functional and it's aesthetic. And it should be considered in that order. Uh, Many times customers will call us at the last minute and tell us that uh, they're ready to bottle, but we forgot to order closures. And uh, we try to keep a lot of sizes in stock, common sizes in stock for that reason. Um, But that's what I think of when I think of, you know, the crown on your bottle. It's your crowning touch. So it's it's really important. and you asked a little bit about me. Uh, it's a long story. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, I'll try. We're, we're in the Ozarks, and we love long stories out in the country. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I'm not uh, imbibing right now on some of those fine products, so uh, I won't embellish too much. But um, I come from a background in art and tourism. I was born in bourbon country in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, my major in college was art. And this is significant because it gives me the appreciation for the true art and craft of spirits production. And uh, it also gives me a good perspective on the challenges that craft spirits producers face as artists because you are really and truly that. You are artists. Um, you know, uh, a good example of that would be... Uh, you know, oftentimes in packaging design, you have no budget. So my creativity or my my way of thinking kind of sometimes lends a little bit to those of you, those guys that you know have no budget. So I can offer some element of creativity when um, you know otherwise you know some people may not be able to if they didn't have that artistic background that I have. So uh, that's important to me. Uh, I also have a degree in travel and tourism management. I received those in my days living in South Florida and uh, spent a lot of time in the Caribbean. And this was also advantageous to my spirits career because I uh, 
was able to get a real understanding of the rum industry and the culture and the impact on tourism in the Caribbean. So the same is true for bourbon country um, in Kentucky. So when I moved back here after my days of living there um, and working there, uh, I went into the convention and tourism industry. And, you know, in Kentucky, um, we sell basically two things. That little party we host the first Saturday in May, the Kentucky Derby, and bourbon. Uh, you know, so I spent a lot of years selling bourbon uh, as an attraction for conventioneers and tourism. And uh, that was also, ironically, during the time, um, during the resurgence of the popularity of bourbon and during the growth of the craft spirits industry. So uh, I went to work way back then, over 14 years ago, for the first craft distillers organization in the U.S., ADI, um, American Distilling Institute. Which they're pretty big now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. What's interesting is back then, I bet you, when I did the first convention, first event for Bill Owens and the American Distilling Institute, I bet we had 50 spirits producers. And now we know that we have over 1,300 licensed producers. And uh, there are many more that are licensed that aren't even producing yet. So that's that's a pretty big jump when you think about it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we're looking at now. What year was that? Do you remember? <laughs> it was, yeah, I'm not, not asking you to date yourself here. Uh, <laughs> it was about fourteen, fifteen years ago. Um, okay. That uh, yeah, the fair. And I'll never forget one of my friends who's a distiller here locally called me, and he's like, Leah, you're in the tourism industry. There's this crazy guy from California. I want you to meet. And uh, I met Bill Owens and Penn Jensen, and uh, the rest is history because the industry just took off. Um, I was fortunate enough to be a, a very big part of that and uh, was um, and watching the industry evolve and grow and was part of a successful group of craft spirits producers and entrepreneurs and uh you know, they had the wherewithal to know that uh, the industry was growing, and they also created uh, this group that I'm talking about, created the first not-for-profit National Trade Association, which is spun off from ADI and is called the American Craft Spirits Association. So um, that was kind of, that was born to advocate for craft spirits producers in the U.S. And uh, I'm very proud to say that I was a co-founder of that. And that association has seen tremendous growth. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I just attended the national convention, which was the first one I was not really, uh, did not really plan in Nashville, Tennessee. And I, I have to tell you, I was really impressed with the level, the quality of the um, attendees. They weren't just tire kickers and wannabes and guys who may never be. Um, They were people that I've seen really grow and evolve over the years. So that's kind of cool to be a part of that. Definitely. So you've had your your fingers. It it started baking, if I can use an analogy there. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry, you were breaking up a bit, Gary. Yeah, that's 
that, you know, I'm reaching out to these industry leaders and I'm way back in the woods in the Ozarks and sometimes uh, we get a little bit of, con- of a connectivity issue, but in general, you'll be able to get the, the whole story. Just uh, stay tuned. Anyways, <laughs> as I was saying, you've, you've had your fingers in this pie ever since we started baking it. We we're talking about craft yeah. spirits. Yeah. Now tell us a little bit about Tappy, uh, you know, where they started and what place do they hold in the current market? You know, are, are they part of a larger yeah. company or are they a family mm-hmm. business? Uh, what's the background of the company that you represent, Leah? Well, Tappy is sort of a mix of, let's call it American entrepreneurism, Mexican pride, and Italian design. Um, the company began over 60 years ago with the family owned, uh, the Escobar family, and they owned and operated their business in Mexico, and they made all natural cork stoppers. Um, about 12 years ago, they merged with a privately owned Tappy Italy. And uh, they began making synthetic closures. Uh, let's see, it was about 10 years ago, around 2006, that a U.S. presence was established. And since then, uh, there has been a family presence still in the business in this global um, company. But the demand for capital and development was required. So there was an influx with the with private um, equity investment, and the, actually the worldwide company Tappy emerged from that. So um, we're now the largest manufacturer of synthetic bar tops. Uh, we're innovators in the spirits closure business, and uh, that's really exciting to see some of the innovative things that. Um, I've seen uh, us produce since I've been with Tappy uh, in the last year. Uh, practically all spirits companies know Tappy. Um, we are on a global stage, and we have um, presence in, in all countries that are producing spirits throughout the world. So it's kind of cool to see this kind of growth because it, even though there is still family presence, it started as a small family business. And uh, it's just evolved tremendously. All right. Well, that's a that's a pretty good answer. Now, I was looking at your your catalog, your online catalog the other day, and it's huge. <laughs> and the choices are absolutely <laughs> staggering. And I I know that I had some some real difficulty trying to settle on the the tops that I wanted. Uh-huh. Uh, how many product lines do you currently offer? Well, we offer, um, we have hundreds of custom products, but there are basically, there's about five basic product lines. Uh, wood, which is very popular in the U.S., um, aluminum, Zamac, which is like a hard uh, metal, uh, plastic, and then we do a soft plastic top. So hundreds of products, but five basic product lines with those. Um, we Absolutely. have a large pop, we have a very large pop pipeline of, um, projects that are in development at all times. And sometimes I look at some of these things and I, I just laugh, but the end result is pretty cool. I'm working on a couple of projects right now. I can't say anything about them, but just in the time I've been working with them to see the artist concept evolves into this really beautiful piece of art is pretty cool. Uh, we try to be innovative and we always try to anticipate 
um, what products can and will help our customers. So, so let me ask you this. You're talking about working with your customers. You know, how, how can you or how have you worked uh, with the small craft distiller, the person starting up, to help them find the perfect fit for their product? Well, I really like to try to get an idea of what their concept is. Uh, personally, that's important to me, you know, watching so many of you guys grow up. But, you know, what is your concept? What is it that you want your finished package to look like? And then what is your budget? We have to be realistic. Uh, we work really hard with trying to, you know, with trying to anticipate what it is that the small producers are going to need. So, um, but that's the two major things is what is your concept? What is your budget? Those are very, very important. Um, you know, and every customer is important. To me, the, I love the small guys because I helped grow this industry. So, you know, my boss always says that um, everyone's product is their baby and everyone thinks their baby is the most beautiful baby. <laughs> Absolutely. So we try to keep that thought in mind and treat all of our customers that way. Um, you know, I may not really like what it is you want, but, you know, it's your baby. So uh, we try really hard to work with you in that respect. Yeah, I, I imagine that is difficult right there because, you know, your budget's pretty straightforward, but, you know, what what is your concept? What are you trying to achieve? That's a hard question. Mm-hmm. I, I bet that's been it a is. challenge for you guys. Well, you, you know, that. I've had I've had customers provide us with images of everything from gosh, I I I just really can't say a lot, but I've had them provide us with images of trees, images of gates, images of this and that, different things that, you know, we want our our product to look like this when it's standing there on the shelf. You know, this is what we want it to look like. We want it to have this aged look or, you know, this um, oaky look, you know, having been in the barrel. Um, So I've seen a lot of concepts and craft guys are pretty creative. You have to be. (laughs) That's right. You innovate a guy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So what are your thoughts on the dramatic increase of micro or craft distillers in the recent years? Oh, I love it. You know, um, (laughs) every day I say it, I don't know how many times, but growth is a great problem to have. And just seeing the industry grow and evolve over the past 10 years, um, you know, it's pretty cool. Uh, You know, the the biggest thing for me is listening to the customer. Um, You know, what what is it that you guys want and need? And it's critical. And it's also a challenge sometimes. Sure. Now, what have your challenges been? What has Taffy's challenges been as, you know, craft distillers have been growing, your product lines have been growing. Uh, Has it been difficult on your end to to keep up with with the demand and the and the ever changing landscape of of your industry. Well, you know, Tappy's experienced tremendous growth in the past ten years, just like the industry has. And uh, our biggest growth segment is due to the growth in the craft segment. Um, 
you know, we're very appreciative of this growth and uh, to meet these challenges and demands. Well, you know, the number one problem, I well, we have two basic problems, but we're meeting these challenges. So that's a good thing. Uh, our challenges have been um, having the ability to offer that personalized customer service to everyone. You know, you, you the, the calls keep coming. You know, you come in in the morning and you have a gazillion emails and voicemails and, you know, um, technology is a double-edged sword. I say that often. <laughs> yes, but, yes uh, it is. I spent three hours this morning answering voicemails and emails. <laughs> So you know what I'm saying. Um, so we have, um, to combat this, we've increased our sales force in North America, um, which is basically why I'm talking with you today. Uh, I made the decision last year to leave um, the American Craft Spirits Association. And part of the reason why I'm doing this is because I have an understanding of what your all's needs are. So um, with Tappy um, combating this problem with uh, being able to meet the needs, of the customer and adding myself and other salespeople to our force in North America, that's pretty cool. Um, I have a colleague that uh, works out on the West Coast. I started on the West Coast because we have a, a big uh, concentration of craft spirits producers there, but um, ended up back here in the Midwest, you know, which is my home. And uh, so we're combating uh, our ability to handle that personalized service and, uh, you know, being able to return those calls and emails and then keeping up with the demand um, and shortening our lead times. Um, We've been able to do this through significant capital investment, um, which has resulted in more machines and an increase in our manufacturing capacity. We're adding more lines. We're uh, adding more people in our um, plants that are able to keep, you know, manufacturing, um, keep keep moving that forward and to decrease those um, lead times. Sounds like a challenge. Now uh, It is, but it's, again, a good problem to have. Absolutely. <laughs> Now, you mentioned something earlier about, you know, everybody's got their baby, and their baby's uh, the most beautiful in the world. So a lot of times, you know, from my neck neck of the woods and and from my point of view, I get really focused on my day-to-day operations like anybody else. And so sometimes when we pick up the phone to call you and we're needing something perfect, (laughs) yesterday is too late. Uh, tell me about some of your nightmare customers. What have been your team's challenges in working with, you know, really demanding customers? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, again, just striving to meet these demands is so important and so critical. Um, you know, some of the more challenging things is people want something customized in an unrealistic time frame. So our answer to that is, you know, we can't customize it in two weeks. I had a call this morning from a gentleman that needs X amount of stoppers, and he's bottling end of week. <laughs> oh, wow. So Yeah. Fortunately, the bottle he selected is kind of standard. It's, it's a great bottle. Um, you know, it's standard, and that company keeps it in stock. 
and he has them. But fortunately, we also keep uh, a certain amount of stock items in our warehouses, so we were able to meet that demand. But the demand of, I need something customized within a couple of weeks, you know, we've got to get your artwork, we've got to get a sample, we've got to get that sample to you, you have to approve it, then we go into production. So, you know, the turnaround time in customizing is not short. So just being able to, it gives me a lot of pride to be able to meet Gerald's needs, to meet the needs of the craft spirits producers, Um, you know. But, again, this guy that called this morning, I was so glad that I was able to offer him a stock option, something that we have on the shelf that I can ship to you this afternoon and if you want to pay overnight, you you can have it tomorrow. <laughs> if not, let's do two days or three days, and uh, you gotcha. have it within a couple of days. But uh, just you know, and I think that if if you're able to get a return phone call within 24 hours and have somebody that you feel is personally cares and is going to help you as best as they can, I think that's really monumental. But we've heard some real unrealistic demands. <laughs> the customized is the most unrealistic. And when I In get such calls a short from people, of time. yeah, and when you get calls from people that say, man, I've got the best vodka in the world. We're just coming out with this. It is just out of this world. And, you know, we've got this and we've got that. And, and you know, sometimes I want to say, really, how many more vodka brands can the market bear? And, you know, especially at a higher price point because, you know, and I always, what I always like to say to craft producers is, you know what, own your backyard. That's the most important thing for you is to own your backyard before you venture out into the rest of the U.S. and globally. I'm kind of veering off the track there, but well, no, that was probably going to be the last, that was probably going to be the last question, but, and we're just about finished up, Leah, but, Let's let's get back to you. Besides providing one of the most important products that a craft spirits producer uses, what do you like to do for fun? Tell us one cool thing about Leah. <laughs> I know you don't um, play with spin. caps all day long. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. But uh, craft spirits uh, produce production is one of my passions. Uh, you know, it's hard to get away from it. I really love it. But really, what I like to do for fun is time on the water. Um, I love the ocean. I love the lakes that we have in Kentucky and time on the water with a nice craft spirit. <laughs> there you go. Is, uh, and by being responsibly, let me say that. But uh, sometimes I tease people and I say, you know, I love the ocean so much. I think I may have been a mermaid in a previous life. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. So, so, so that's your what you like to do for fun. Get you a good old fashioned mint julep day after the Kentucky Derby and, and go go hang out on the lake. Well, the day after the Kentucky Derby is not a good time to be on the lake because I'd probably drown. <laughs> okay. Well, good stuff. So that takes us to the last question, which I think you kind of answered earlier. Uh, one, which is the one last thing. Any advice you would give to a would-be distiller who thinks they'd like to try a hand at making spirit professionally? Well, before you can own your backyard, which is really important, I think it's good to have a good background in brewing, 
winemaking or at least chemical engineering. Um, that, that I think that's very important. And then to seek out the best you can, the best industry consultant or the best training you can. And there's a lot of resources out there now um, that weren't available five, ten years ago, certainly not 15 years ago. But, you know, having that background and then seeking out the best training you can, I think that's the best sound advice. Yeah, I tell you what, I can't agree more just because I do not have a a brewing or a chemical engineering background. I'm an artist like you. I have a degree uh-huh. in studio art from the University of Arkansas. Uh-huh. Oh, I love and it. <laughs> I learned a lot through trial and error and and reading and lots more trial and error and I'm pretty pretty uh proficient now, but I probably could have saved myself uh months by mm-hmm. by getting the right education. Uh-huh. Yeah, that it's important. That's why I say to seek out the best you can. Whatever the best you can do is is just that. But there are a lot of resources now, so uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. And you know what? I think that artist background is what creates that passion, you know, about what it is you're making there, and why you kept going through all those trials and errors. Well, yeah, I'm not really smart either, so I, I didn't know when to stop. <laughs> Uh, well, fortunately, you did not. <laughs> That's right. Well, Leah, it's been a, a real pleasure chatting with you today. So, Likewise. Uh, Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for joining us. So that was Leah Hutchinson with Tappy USA joining us down in the Whiskey Holler. Come back with us next week because we're going to reach out to the fine folks at Estal USA and talk about some of the great glass that you can put your craft spirits into. This has been your host, Gary Lee, with Down in the Holler. <laughs>